The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Well, the reason I wanted us to begin our time together this morning with that last song that you just heard um, was actually because of these words in particular, say the word and dead bones rise. Every start and end hangs on your voice. For your word, it never returns void. My soul will hang on every word that you say. See, there is a world of difference between changing your behavior because you fear getting in trouble, right, compared to being convinced that somebody loves you so deeply and so completely that you just simply want to follow their lead, not halfway or half-heartedly, but with every single ounce of your soul and your being. And see, the good news is that your Heavenly Father, He really is a Heavenly Father. And so like any good father, he actually wants to guide and direct your life and my life, right? Not through fear, but through love. Love that actually compels us to follow him. But the question for all of us who are followers of Jesus and those of us who are thinking about following Jesus and what that means, the question is always, but how do I really know what it is that God actually wants from me or what he expects of me to do? How how do I know that this is what God is saying to me compared to whether or not this is just my own thoughts or my own ideas or or my own desires? And again, the good news um, of the gospel is clear. The good news is, is that your heavenly father, he actually makes each of us this very, very specific promise. He says this, he He will make your path straight, which means that he will make your path obvious, right? He will make the direction that you are to go obvious. He will tell you what you are to do, where you are to go, and who you are to become as you follow his son Jesus. And that is a promise that your heavenly father, our heavenly father makes to every single one of us. And so today, as we continue um, talking and as we continue moving through this series called Becoming, we're going to talk about an idea that can be kind of big, kind of overwhelming, sometimes a little mysterious at times, and this is the whole idea of the will of God. And so I want to give you a little context and a little background into this whole idea, and then we're going to take what it is that we learn about this, we're going to actually apply it back to this promise that we've read in Proverbs chapter 3. Now, one of the reasons why this whole idea of the will of God, why this can be so mysterious at times or feeling complicated at times, is because if you were to just sit down and read the entire Bible from cover to cover, what you would discover is that this idea of the will of God actually shows up, or the the phrase the will of God, it shows up in three different ways throughout the Scriptures. The first is what we would talk about as God's providential will, right? God's providential will are all those things that God tells us in his word that he is just going to do no matter what, right? All throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we find things that are a part of God's providential will, right? You don't have to pray for God to do these things. You don't have to ask God to do these things because God just promises he is going to do them no matter what. A good example of God's providential will is actually found in Galatians chapter 4 when the Apostle Paul tells us that when the set time had fully come, right, that God had sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might be adopted as his children. 
And so what this is saying is that when God was ready, right? When God was ready, he was going to send Jesus into this world to be our Savior. That it was God's plan to send Jesus into this world from the very, very beginning because he wanted to redeem us because he loved us. It didn't matter if anyone was going to ask God to do this. It didn't matter if anyone believed that God would do this. Because he loves us from the very beginning, it has always been God's plan to send his son Jesus into the world to save us. Another part of God's providential will is actually found in the very end of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 20, where it tells us that one day every single person, we're all going to stand before God and we're going to be judged based on what it is that we've actually done in this life. And that's going to happen whether or not we want it to happen. It's going to happen regardless of if we've asked God for that to happen. God just tells us that that is actually a part of his providential will. And that's one of those things that's going to happen no matter what. It's also a part of God's providential will that one day Jesus is actually going to return. Right? These are all things that God has promised all throughout the scriptures that he is just going to do. Now, One of the things that's so important for us to remember whenever we talk about this whole idea of God's providential will is that these things, they are not dependent on our obedience, right? These things are not dependent upon our faith, right? But even though they they do not hinge on our obedience, God, all throughout history, he always uses sinful, imperfect men and women, people like me and people like you, to actually accomplish his providential will. Right? One day an angel appears to Mary and says, Mary, you're going to actually have a son. In other words, God says, okay, I'm going to send my son into this world and nobody can stop me. But Mary, I'm actually going to use you to accomplish my will. One day God says to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to pack up all your family and your belongings. I want you to leave everything that you know and go to this place that I'm going to tell you about. And and, and Abraham, one day I'm going to turn you into a nation. And through that nation, I'm going to bless every single person on the earth. All peoples on earth, they will be blessed through you, Abraham. And nobody can stop me from doing that. But Abraham, I'm actually choosing you to accomplish what it is that I am going to do. God always accomplishes his providential will through regular, ordinary, imperfect, sinful men and women just like you and me. And see, the more familiar that you and I are with what it is that God is actually up to in our world now, and the more familiar we are with what it is that God says in his word that he is going to do no matter what, the easier it is for us to identify and understand this part of God's will. Now, the second part of God's will is what we would call or talk about as God's moral will. And these are all the commands that God gives to, to all of us throughout the scripture, right? And these are what we would think of as the do's and the don'ts that we find um, throughout the scripture, the thou shalls and thou shall nots. And again, these are things that, that we don't even need to pray about, right? It's like, okay, God, I'm just wondering, you know, do you want me to lie in this situation? God, should I be really hurtful to this person? God, I'm just wondering if you want me to be mean. God, do you want me to be mean today? Is your will for me to be mean and angry today? It's like all through the scripture, right? God has answered these questions and made it very clear, right? He does not want us to lie. He does not want us to be hurtful. He doesn't want us to be hateful. God wants us to actually be forgiving. God has answered all of these questions because they are all part of God's moral will. They're part of the commands that God gives to all of us. 
All through the scriptures, Old and New Testament, we find these types of God's will. Right? And again, you've heard me say this before. God doesn't give us these types of commands in order to get us to earn his love. He actually gives us these commands because we are loved by him, and he actually wants something better for us than what we would just naturally experience on our own because he actually wants us to become something that naturally we are not. And again, the more familiar we are with God's moral will, then the easier it is for each one of us to discern the third part of God's will, the part of God's will that we're actually interested in, and that is God's personal will. Right? God's personal will is that whole sense of, okay, God, should I marry her or should I not? God, should I take this job or should I not? God, is this the time that you want us to move? God, is this the time that you want me to change jobs? God's personal will are all those decisions, all those questions that you and I have, things that we have to answer in the course of our lives. And frankly, many times, these are the things that we worry about. These are the kinds of things that we get anxious about. And yet, Scripture is very, very clear right? God is very interested in these types of decisions. James tells us this. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. In the Old Testament, the prophet Micah, he actually answers the question, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? And he tells us, what does the Lord require of you? To act, just, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The personal will of God is that sense of, okay, God, what is it that you actually want me to do in this situation? Should I go out with her? Should I go out with him? Should I change my job? Should I keep my job? Should we sell our house? Should we buy a different house? It's that whole sense of, okay, God, I've got this decision to make. Now, what is it that you want me to do in this situation? Now, here's why understanding all of this, this whole idea of the will of God, why this is so important and why this matters as we talk about this idea of becoming together over the course of these next several weeks. The more familiar you are, and I am, with God's providential will, right? All those things that God says he's going to do anyway. And the more surrendered we are to God's moral will, all the commands that he's given all of us to follow, the easier it actually is for each of us to discern and understand God's personal will for us, right? So the easier it is for us to see that and understand that and know what that is. The Apostle Paul, last week, we looked at an amazing section of Scripture where the Apostle Paul tells us, he says this. He says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the renewing of your mind, this phrase, what this means basically is the renovating of your thinking. Right, so the Apostle Paul, he says then after that, he says, as a result of that renovating of your thinking, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so the Apostle Paul, he actually links these two ideas of the renovating of our thinking with understanding what God's will is. And God wants you, your Heavenly Father wants you to understand His will for you because He loves you and He wants what is best for you in every single area of life. Now, how many of you know what this is? And this is where it pays to sit in the front row. Right? If you know, this got kind of a strange sounding name. What is this thing called? Plumbob. Right? That is the actual name. It is called a plumbob. Now, a plumb bob is, in fact, an ancient tool 
But even though it's an ancient tool, it's a tool that's actually still used in our world today, the purpose of a plumb bob is to tell you what is true, right? When you are building something, when you are renovating something, when everything else around you is changing and is unknown, this is what sets the course. This is what sets the standard. This is what tells you what everything else connected to it or around it is going to do. God's providential will, God's moral will. These are what set the standard. These are what determine the course. This is what lets us understand what it is that God is going to call us to do or ask us to do throughout the course of our entire life. The more familiar we are with this, right, the easier it is for us to discern and understand what it is that God is going to call or ask each of us to do as we follow him. Now, do you know what the real challenge is when it comes to understanding God's will? Right? The, the real challenge is not that God is unwilling to communicate. That is not the challenge. It, that you know, God is not in some way unwilling to speak to us or to communicate to us. That is not the real problem. The real problem when it comes to understanding God's will, the real problem for us, for me, right, most of the time if I'm honest, is our unwillingness to follow through or my unwillingness to follow through. The challenge is not that God doesn't want to communicate. Right? If somebody is, is willing to send their son to die for you, then they are for you. Right? If God's going to allow his son Jesus to die for you on your behalf, then certainly he wants you to know his will for your life. The challenge, the problem is not that God is unwilling to communicate. The problem most of the time is our unwillingness to follow through. Because, see, there is a tendency on all of our behalfs, mine included, to, to want to say to God, okay, listen, God, I, I want to know your will for my life in this situation, right, so I can consider it, right? God, yes, if you are here, I really am. I am genuinely interested in what it is that you have to say about this situation right now because that way, God, you know, I can take that information, I can put it into my basket of options, and I can consider it. But see, your Heavenly Father, my Heavenly Father, he does not give us information simply for consideration, right? That's why there's Google, Right? He, gives us his, he gives us his commands and his direction based on our relationship with him. And where we see this so clearly is found in Proverbs chapter 3, which is on page 987 in the Bibles that are in the seat back in front of you. If you take them out, open it up, Proverbs chapter 3. Now, for some of us, maybe this is a familiar section of Scripture. For others of us, maybe this is something that's brand new. But for all of us today, this is one of those sections of Scripture that is certainly worth committing to memory and memorizing. Because in Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 5, we read this. It says, Trust the Lord with all of your heart. And see, right there in that very first line, we actually bump into something that, that is contrary to what most of us have been told throughout the course of our lives. Because most of us, for all of our lives, have been told something along the lines of, well, see, you just need to trust your heart right now. You just need to do what your heart is telling you to do. Or what is your heart telling you to do in this situation? Well, it depends on what day you ask me, right, if I'm honest. Because see, Scripture says, a renovated mind says, renovated thinking says, no, listen, you don't trust your heart. You trust the Lord with your heart. Because see, sometimes your heart is right, and sometimes your heart is wrong. You don't trust what your heart is telling you. No, you surrender the messages and the passions and the inclinations of your heart. You surrender all those things to the Lord, and you trust the Lord with your heart. 
Because see, the truth is for every single one of us at some point in our lives, we can look back at a decision that we made based on what it is that our heart was telling us to do, right? And, and, and you know this, right? The, the strange thing about your heart is that your heart today will tell you, yes, yeah, she's the one, he's the one. But then three years from now, it's like, well, maybe she's not the one. Maybe he's not the one. Maybe what you should do is go and find another one. Right? You don't trust your heart. You trust your heavenly Father with your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. And see, notice in this verse that the words trust and lean are, are used interchangeably here, aren't they? That's intentional. That's not an accident. Because what this is saying is, is do not trust in your own understanding. It's not saying don't try to understand. That is not what the scripture is saying. It's not saying that the circumstances or the situations in life will never make sense to you. It's not saying that either. It's also not saying don't ask your heavenly father the question of why, right? That is not what the scripture is not saying any of those things. What the scripture is saying to all of us is that when it comes down to your reasoning and my reasoning, right, and God's opinion, God's opinion wins. And see, for many of us, if we're honest, believing that, believing that truth, that actually requires a renovation in our thinking, doesn't it? When it comes down to our thinking about relationships, when it comes down to our thinking about what we actually invest our time and our energy and our money in, when it comes down to our thinking about marriage and family and friendship and how we handle even decisions at business or at work, that, that believing that truth requires a renovation in our thinking. And see, that might be new to us maybe in this context, but the truth is, for every single one of us, we've all experienced this before in another context. If you have ever tried to argue your way out of a speeding ticket, you've bumped into this before, right? Because as you were getting pulled over, you had your explanation kind of going in the back of your head. It was like, officer, see, you don't understand, really. The faster I go, the quicker I get off the road, right? And the quicker I get off the road, the less traffic there is. And the less traffic there is, the safer it is. And that means, really, officer, what I need to be doing is probably about 10, maybe even 15 miles an hour faster than what the posted speed limit is because that's what's going to be better for everybody. Meanwhile, he looks at you and it's like, really, that's fascinating. Here's your ticket, right? See, when we're actually willing to embrace this very simple truth that God knows what's best, that God's will is best, when we're willing to embrace that truth, when we run all of our decisions in life through this idea of the will of God, and when our human reasoning, when that conflicts with God's providential will and God's moral will, right, then God's personal will for your life and my life begins to become clear. Because, see, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm not going to trust in my heart. I'm going to trust the Lord with my heart. And yes, I'm going to listen to my heart. And absolutely, I'm going to pay attention to my heart. Certainly, I'm going to guard my heart. But no, I'm not going to trust in my heart. I'm going to submit my passions, my desires. When my wills and my desires and my ways, when I submit all those things to my Heavenly Father... And I submit my, when, when my human reasoning is submitted to his will and his opinion wins, right, over my human reasoning, 
Right? I mean, you can already imagine the result, right? I'm going to begin to look less like me, and I'm going to begin to look more like his son. And then look what he says next in this next verse, verse 6. In all your ways, right? And ways here is basically areas of life, right? In your marriage ways, in your financial ways, in your family ways, in your business ways, in your professional ways, right? How you handle even leading and managing people. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And see, the word acknowledge here in English is actually a really, really weak word, right? Because when you hear the word acknowledge, this is kind of like, okay, yes, I acknowledge you. Yes, I hear what you're saying. I'm not going to do anything about what you're saying, but yes, I acknowledge you, right? That's kind of the sense that we get from that word. But see, in the Hebrew, this is a whole different context. In the Hebrew, this is a much stronger word because what this word means in Hebrew is, in all your ways, be focused on. In all your ways, be in submission In all your ways, be riveted to. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, follow him. In other words, this is us saying to our Heavenly Father, listen, Heavenly Father, this is how I was taught to parent, right? But what do you actually have to say about that? Heavenly Father, everybody in my life, they just think that we should just move in together. That's just the natural thing to do. But Father, what is it that you have to say about my relationship? Heavenly Father, this is how I see everybody in my peer group. This is how they treat their spouse. right? But Heavenly Father, what is it that you want to say to me about how it is that I actually treat my spouse? In all your ways, in every area of life, in all your ways, acknowledge him, follow him, right? That is, bring your way of doing things, your patterns, right, your thoughts. Bring all of that under this idea of God's will for you. See, that's us saying to our Heavenly Father, As a follower of Jesus, right, as a follower of Jesus, I recognize, Heavenly Father, your right to rule in this area of my life. And even though everybody else in my life, Heavenly Father, doesn't think you should have anything to say about my life, I actually want to submit my life to you. And then look at the conclusion. This is where we began today. And he will make your paths straight. He will make the direction that you are to go obvious. See, it is the surrender to the known will of God that actually paves the way for us to discover his personal will. Right? It's surrender to what it is that we do know that helps us to understand what we don't know. And, and, and see, now if you're sitting there today... And you're hearing all this, and you're kind of taking it in and thinking, okay, Joe, it's fine, right? I like the box. It's nice to like, you know, understand God's will. I get it. But see, here's the problem. I'm a parent, and if my kid were to come to me and say, hey, Mom, hey, Dad, right, I just I want you to tell me what is it that you want me to do in this situation, right, I would just tell him. Why does God, if he's our Heavenly Father, why does God make discovering, understanding his will, right, such a needle in the haystack kind of an experience? Why doesn't he just come out and tell me what to do? And see, if that's your question today, I mean, the truth is, that's a fair question, right? That's a fair question. But the reason 
The reason is because, see, your Heavenly Father is much more interested in you actually discovering Him than in you just simply getting information from Him. And one of the things that all of us who have been a follower of Jesus for any length of time know, one of the things that we know, is that God has our undivided attention whenever there is an important decision that we have to make in the course of our lives. I mean, when in three weeks you've got to know, right? When at the end of the week you've got to know. When you know, the opportunity is going to go away in a couple of days, if you don't know, no, nobody has to come up to you and say, hey, have you prayed about that, right? It's like, no, all you're doing is praying. See, the truth that's so easy for us to miss when we talk about this big idea of understanding God's will for us is that it's actually in the process of understanding our Heavenly Father's will that we get to know Him. And see, ultimately... Ultimately, that's what your Heavenly Father wants. It's not simply your obedience that He's after. It's your heart. It's your trust. That's what matters most to your Heavenly Father. In his amazing book, it's a classic book, Philip Yancey, the book is Reaching for the Invisible God. He says this so much better than I could. He says, I do not get to know God and then do His will. I get to know him by doing his will. See, in other words, what he's saying to us is, listen, it's actually in the process of learning and discovering and becoming what God has made each one of us to be in Jesus, right? That that we what? We what? We just learn to make better decisions? No. I mean, sure, right? But, But no. No. We actually get to know our Heavenly Father. We actually know our creator, and and in the end, right, something hasn't just happened out there. Something's actually happened in here. As our Heavenly Father, as, as he grows our hearts, as he grows our faith, as he grows our trust in him, as we learn and as we discover that he really can be trusted with the deepest fears, the greatest longings, and the deepest desires of our hearts. And see, the truth is this, and maybe you've never thought about this before, but every single one of us, we are all going to follow someone, right? We are all going to become like someone. And so if not Jesus, then who? And see, as your pastor, one of the things that that I want you to never forget is that every single one of you, each one of us, we have actually been invited into an incredible, into an amazing story, a story that began with the creation of the world and reached its high point, the moment when Jesus actually died for the sin of the world. And now every single one of us, each of you, you have been given the opportunity to follow the Savior of the world. Who are you going to follow if it's not going to be him? What are you going to do with your life if not that? To whom shall I go? See, that is the question. This is an amazing question. This is the question that I wish that every single one of us, that in the midst of having to make that incredibly difficult decision, if we could just pause for a moment and ask ourselves this question. In the face of that temptation that just seems overwhelming, 
Right In the midst of that trial that, that makes you just want to throw up your hands and say, okay, I'm done, I'm out, I've had enough, I can't take this anymore. This is the question. If we would just pause and ask ourselves in that moment, if not Jesus, who? If not following Jesus, then what? I mean, is there anybody else out there offering you eternal life? Is there anybody else out there who's actually offering you the opportunity to be a part of something that is bigger than just you? Is there anybody out there offering you the opportunity to be a part of something that has eternal significance and consequence? I mean, if not Jesus, who? If not following Jesus, then what? See, this is the question. This is the question for all of us to ask ourselves and to answer as we continue to become. And see, as your pastor, this is one of those things that I just, I just want so badly for each of you because I promise you this, I don't know the decisions you have to make. I don't know the temptations you're facing right now. I don't know the trials and the circumstances in your life, but I promise you this. I promise you, you will not look back on this moment in your life five years from now or 10 years from now and regret listening to what Jesus is telling you to do. You will not regret following Jesus wherever it is that he is leading you. It will never happen. You will never have that regret. No matter how big the challenge is, no matter how confusing it feels right now in this moment, you will never regret listening to your Heavenly Father's will in this moment for your life. And so today, I want us to practice. I want us to practice, and I want us to say this together. Ready? To whom shall I go? One more time. To whom shall I go? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I am so thankful, and we are so thankful that you are not content to just leave us the way that you found us. And Father, I know, I mean, we, we all know, this is one of those things that is just so much easier for us to talk about in here than it is to actually go out there and do. And so, Father, for all of us, me included, give us the faith that we need to believe that what it is that we've learned and heard in your word today is actually true, that we really can trust you with our hearts, that we really can trust you with our hopes and our hurts, and even, Father, with our regrets. And my prayer for all of us as your church over these next several weeks as we continue studying your word together, as we continue to hear more about your will and your desire for every single one of us, Father, I pray that you would help us to embrace what we hear, even when it's scary, even when it sounds strange, even when everything in us wants to push away from what you're saying. 
And Father, it's in those moments especially, I pray that we would always remember that you are our Heavenly Father and you always want what is best for us because you love us and you have given your Son for each of us. Jesus, we pray all of this in your name.